0: Hello, listeners. I hope you all had a wonderful and meaningful holiday celebration the past few days. I know this is such a busy time of year, but I figured maybe some of you need a break from that rush and to tune in to a great podcast. I absolutely loved my conversation with Hannah Blake, who is my guest today. Hannah caught my attention with her I Will Stand movement in which she embodied her own story of me too of sexual harassment and trauma. And she also encouraged other people to do the same. Anna's objective was to help everyone who has already spoken up or maybe hasn't yet and really further explore their experience and reach more healing by getting the body more involved, getting more creative with the expression of sexual trauma and just involving the whole self in the healing process. If you haven't seen it, I'll attach the link to that blog post in the episode notes. We really had such a powerful conversation about the healing process that goes on through the mind and the body, and I hope you enjoy it as much as I enjoy talking to her. This is Mind Your Body, a dance movement therapy perspective on the integration of our emotional, cognitive, physical, and spiritual aspects of our being into one more aware and whole existence. I actually discovered your campaign in the American Dance Therapy Association group. I don't know if it was you. I think it was someone else who posted your, your blog piece.
1: Uh, That was not me. So that's (laughs) really cool news. That's really good to hear.
0: Yeah. So I was just looking through and I was like, wow, this is really impressive. And I clicked on it. I saw your video with your spoken word. And I thought that what you're doing is really powerful. So maybe you can tell us what inspired you to create this campaign and tell us a little bit about it.
1: Absolutely. Thank you so much for that acknowledgement. And I, I had no idea that that was posted there, so it's exciting for me to hear. Um, so what really inspired the creation of that piece um, was the Me Too movement, which, of course, was extremely powerful. Um, and coming from a family in the entertainment industry, it spoke pretty close to home, Um, and I've had a lot of women in my family, specifically my mom, who have been sexually violated on the really, really extreme scale, Mm -hmm. Um, and I know how difficult it is secondhand for these women to feel safe in their bodies again after such events and to feel at home and empowered um, in their bodies again. And so after the Me Too movement, I really felt called to take that uh, speaking to the next level and um, reach out my hand to potentially help women um, go from speaking to also embodying that power, was um, I think a lot of times after traumatic events, specifically sexual trauma occurs in the body, there becomes this dissociation from the body. And it's so important for us when we're reclaiming our power to do so within our bodies. And something that's been really coming to mind lately, and it's something that I've um, been speaking to with my methodology is the most effective way to heal trauma to the body is through the body. Mm -hmm. And the way that I've done that, personally in my life and um, with clients that I work with is through dance and movement. And so I felt really called to create a video that represented my own healing process after the Me Too and really diving into my own body and expressing um, what it is that came up for me personally and also allow that to be a symbolic representation of me, extending my hand out to say you know, if anyone needs support, I'm here. Um, and I would love to help support an in, in embodiment and also just try to start getting people to not just speak out, which is, of course, the first step. And it's absolutely powerful and important and hard. Um, also, though, taking that to the next level and really diving into their own unique healing process, whether that be embodiment through dance or whether that be something else that someone else wants to share and and bring to the table. So it was really just a call to action Mm -hmm. for us to support each other in our own unique healing processes. That's great. Thank you. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It was a really inspiring video and I agree with you. I think speaking up can be really powerful and cathartic in a way. And that could be an opening to the next step, which is getting Mm -hmm. a little bit more into the body so I, I really appreciate your, your movement.
1: <laughs> Thank you.
0: So you went through your own process of thinking about the Me Too campaign, and then you moved through it, and that's what insp- the dance that you recorded?
1: Yeah, exactly. I felt a lot of personal anger come up, and I mm-hmm. felt a lot of um, personal distress and I knew that the healthiest way for me to move through that personally was, was to embody that in my body and express that. And also, although I haven't experienced um, extreme sexual violation as a lot of people in my life have, and I'm so grateful that I haven't and I have so much compassion for people who have, I have definitely experienced a lot of sexual trauma um, in and I don't want to say more moderate ways because it's never acceptable, um, right. but but in other ways that have definitely impacted me. And a lot of that came back up after the Me Too campaign. And so I knew that I needed to, to release it in the best way that I knew how. <laughs> yeah,
0: I, I really like that distinction that you made that even though you didn't experience something as severe, you still felt anger. You still Mm -hmm. feel anger about it. And anger carries a lot of energy that someone else's anger can carry. And so it still feels like a lie, like a weight and like a heated energy. So whether someone has experienced something mild, as they may judge it, or something more extreme, we all can connect with whatever that emotion is that we're feeling about it.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. That's a great point. I love how you just said heated energy too because that really is what it is. Like when I personally feel into my body, when I'm feeling angerized, it's it's hot in my body and it's either in my solar plexus or my heart. And that stagnant energy that's trapped in the body, that's crying, that's begging to be moved. Mm. I- dances it literally gets that stagnant energy moving which if it stays there for too long can be toxic physiologically yeah
0: absolutely for people who aren't comfortable with moving or Mm -hmm. maybe have never moved in an expressive kind of way or are afraid of it how do they get started you have the kaya method And so speaking from your method, how is it that people can start even just moving a little bit to get in touch with the emotions that may need to be expressed, moved, released?
1: That's a phenomenal question. Um, A lot of the times, actually, I don't start with movement at all. I start with a meditation with eyes closed And usually that meditation yields some kind of visualization exercise and there's never any pressure to move. So people that I work with can stay seated the entire session if that's what they need that session or they can stay lying on their backs for an entire session because a lot of where the initial work comes from is just closing our eyes and just feeling into our bodies and just acknowledging like, oh, yeah, I, I live in I live in my body let me close my eyes and just feel into my heart and feel into my solar plexus and feel into my gut and feel into my third eye and feel into how my body's sinking into the ground. Mm -hmm. And so from there I find once someone can actually feel grounded in their bodies, it's a lot easier to start moving and also um, always just creating a space of complete non-judgment. Right. Creating the container for a person to show up however they want to or need to show up that day, whether it means they don't move at all or whether it means they move the entire time. And so I think just for me as uh, someone who has the privilege to facilitate a lot of the time, being able to just create a container with no expectation. And I think that organically helps people to feel safe first in their bodies and then also in the space to start moving. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And that builds a certain level of trust, too, that you yeah. know, if they do move, that's OK. If they don't, that's also OK.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And agency, too. Right. Because it's the choice is completely the individuals. So they're completely empowered in making that choice. Right.
0: Is it ever too scary for someone to even close their eyes and look inside? Because as you were mm-hmm. talking about and as we at least you and I know that. Mm-hmm when you experience trauma on the body, or even not on the body, that you dissociate from what's going on. And so to focus in on something that has been avoided, or repressed for a while, I imagine that brings yeah. up a lot
1: in itself. Absolutely. Um, I think even just acknowledging that there is a trauma there can be this like, this tiny pop right this tiny puncture that pops the entire balloon it's just the acknowledgement that something is there is is not just the first step but it's the second third fourth and fifth and fifth sixth step that accumulates and it's so intense and it's so much but in a way that acknowledgement I've noticed a lot of the times gets that emotional energy moving through the body which is often the most important thing to do first so a lot of people have broken down there have been a lot of tears shed there's been a lot of anger right but that is that is a part of the process of getting that energy moving so i I actually see it when that happens as a gift Mm. if if someone can look inside and just allow themselves to feel that and to cry and to break down that's it's a gift to the body it's getting that moving that energy moving through it for the first time maybe in a really long time or ever yeah, and then in that emotional energy, and and eventually moving and dancing with that, like using that as as the guidance system.
0: So even if it doesn't feel good right away, it. I mean, I agree with you. I believe that it leads to something bigger, something that grows out of the the darkness and the pain.
1: Absolutely, yeah.
0: So I saw on on your campaign and the I will stand portion of your website that you had invited other people to try out an embodiment of me too. Mm-hmm. Right? Did anyone respond? Have you heard any other
1: stories? Yeah, I've gotten a few stories personally, actually, which has been really lovely. And I have a friend who's in the process of creating her own song based on it, which she's then going to create an embodiment piece, too. Um, then I have other people who have reached out to me personally and just shared that they've found running, right? The embodiment just in running every day has been really profound for them and that the I Will Stand campaign um, kind of spurred that for them. And so I think it's the most interesting thing for me has been it hasn't just been movement. It's been people or it hasn't been dance movement, but it's been people sharing with me other forms of movement that have also been really um, healing for them. But the through line has all been some kind of embodiment, some kind of grounding back into the body. And that's what the I Will Stand campaign was all about. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's been amazing. Yeah.
0: What? um. Do you suggest that people do start with a meditation as well, or for people who are listening to this and want to try an embodiment? What do you suggest? How do you suggest they start? Whether they're comfortable with moving or not?
1: Absolutely. Um, I think starting just closing the eyes and checking in with the body is is always the the best kind of protocol for for me in the workshops that I lead, and especially when it comes to something very. Very personal and and traumatic, just checking into the body, feeling where there might be some constriction or tension or heat. Um, Sometimes, for example, when I'm holding on to some kind of emotion, I feel a lot of tightness in my heart. And then my partner feels a lot of closure in his solar plexus. He feels like this black hole almost in his solar plexus. So just checking in with the body and feeling into the sensations that are happening. And maybe you feel really good in one place of your body too. So check in with that. So it's starting to feel into the body as a roadmap for what's going on emotionally, spiritually, um, and moving from there. So from that place, a lot of the times I'll move into working with the meridian system. So For example, the heart meridian is connected with the small intestine meridian, the paired meridian systems. And the movement of energy through that is from the small intestine up through the heart and out through the left arm to the left pinky. So I'll just start slowly moving the left side of my body in a way that honors the flow of energy that my heart needs in order to get that stagnant energy moving. So what I would ask is for people to close our eyes feel into the body feel into the sensations in the body and then okay what feels good when i start moving that part of my body what is that part of my body calling me to do what is it asking me to do and am i listening can i listen to that part of my body and move accordingly in a way that starts to feel good there and a lot of the time too that that energy is just asking to be acknowledged like, oh, okay, you're there. I hear you. And it's and, and sometimes I'll, I'll hold my heart and I'll, I'll say thank you. <laughs> you know, thank you. Okay, I feel you. There's tension there. I got you. Okay, I'm going to honor that. I'm going to start moving that. Mm-hmm. So I think just closing the eyes and, and do a body scan and see what your body's asking you.
0: Yeah, you can learn so much about yourself just tuning mm-hmm. into a sensation in your body, whether you kind of go forward with the instinct to move with it or to just track it with your your inner vision and just yeah. kind of see where the energy is traveling to or just how you respond to that. Like, no, I don't want to watch mm-hmm. it or um, I'm going to focus on something else or is this right? Am I doing this right? And, you know, like all those thoughts and those instincts that, or the counter instincts that come up with it can also tell you so much about yourself. If you're resisting, if you're kind of ready to confront what it is that you need to confront
1: that's a great great point yeah at the end of the day it's it's all information the way that we feel the way we react to the way that we're feeling if we lean into the feeling if we resist it it's all information teaching us something more about ourselves it's Mm -hmm. huge yeah
0: if you're looking for more self-compassion inner peace and more self-awareness i can help you gain a deeper understanding of yourself and awaken your creative spirit I am now offering mind-body healing sessions through confidential video chat wherever you are in the world. If you're interested, visit mindyourbodydmt.com, click on contact from the top menu, and send me a message to let me know you're interested, and we can have a free consultation. Again, that's mindyourbodydmt.com. Yeah. How do you help people if this has happened with your clients, people who feel stuck and that's kind of a word that that's a tricky word because stuck isn't necessarily stuck there's always movement and everything but even knowing that like I felt stuck in different parts of my life and different times and I'm sure that other people you've worked with have too oh
1: yeah and I I felt stuck (laughs) um I I think that for me, with working with people, it's different for everyone. So it's about me really getting to know the individual person first um, and assessing what could potentially um, crack that stuckness open a little bit, right? Um, And so for me and something I find works with quite a few people is moving outside. So not just dancing in a studio, Mm. but dancing at the beach near the ocean um for me the woods whenever I'm in the woods and I start moving in the woods if I'm stuck the woods got me unstuck (laughs) and so I think I think a lot of it is environment and it's always there's always kind of a reminder of it's not just me There's something so much greater here. And Mm -hmm. the water is such a beautiful, the moon is such a beautiful reminder of that, the trees. And so I think it's, I don't think we're ever actually teaching anything. I think we're all here to just kind of remind each other of what we already know. And I think environments, especially nature, are just incredible reminders to us that we're actually never stuck. Yeah, um, and it's it's never just because it's never just us, right? We're always supported, and there's always some kind of greaterness to the plan and to us and to whatever it is that we're going through in the moment.
0: Yeah, I love that you said that because mm-hmm. I am a deep believer that everything is connected, and and it is. I mean, we are connected to the trees, to the water, the stars, and everything that's going on in the universe. So, you know, if if we're feeling alone and stuck, well, it makes sense to either come into contact with somebody else, another person. Um, it could be another animal or another part of nature that, you know, some part of their energy is going to affect the way we are and affect the way we move and can help move us forward. And then, of course, there's other people who can help bring us back too but it's absolutely. always there's always this interchange of energy and vibrations
1: absolutely yeah those beautifully said completely yes. agree
0: yeah um and i also like that you said that because i think um especially in my field where it's you know it's not just mind body healing it's more like dance therapy and when you hear the word therapy you know a lot of people think it has to happen in a closed space and while there are definitely benefits to having like an enclosed room and privacy and the safety um, I think it's also good to open the process up to the possibility that maybe a different environment could be more helpful depending on the person Absolutely. Do you ever do that? Do you take people outside?
1: Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I actually, I kind of, I want to acknowledge my professors at UCLA, because there was a lot of site-specific pieces that we were called to do, and that was a huge part of um, why I started integrating that into my work, Mm. because I saw the benefit of creating performance outside, um, and it's something we rarely see and we rarely get to experience and we rarely do. So it's something that i I personally now feel called to share as much as I can. That's great.
0: Do you have any examples of how, um, getting into the outside space kind of really changed something for someone you were working with or.
1: Yeah. So, um, someone I was working with was in a pretty, um, dark rut (laughs) for, for quite a while. Um, but I knew her pretty well and I knew her connection to the moon was really profound. And so we went out one night, I played two of her songs that she really um, took to when we were in the studio and I played them while we were out by the ocean with the full moon. Oh, and tough. the word that I would use to describe what happened was um, just expansive where that closure and and density and kind of rutness was it just kind of breathed open and expanded and it's it's an honor to to witness
0: yeah that's beautiful yeah. was that her that she said she she had a connection with the moon or was that something that yeah.
1: Previously, yeah. yeah, so that's where it comes to like really honing in on the individual. Right. And really, really trying to feel it at first intuitively um, to the people that I work with. But then also there's like an accumulation of, of learnings um, that I develop with these people. Um, and then that as, that adds to my toolbox, right, as far as how to approach and guide and facilitate in the future. And so it's a really cool um, kind of evolution that happens with each person I work with. Mm, that's so nice.
0: Are there any other key elements to the Kaya method that you use? I'm guessing that being outside or having that open space is one of them.
1: Yeah, so that's one of them. There's... I guess I'll finish with the one I'm most excited to share right now for some reason. Um, so it's meditation, visualization, breath work. I'm starting to integrate a lot of yoga and um, prana and meridian systems and chakras. Um, and there's also a huge uh, molecular biology component, which the foundation is in Dr. Candice Pert's work. Um, she actually was one of the people who coined the term body-mind. Um, and she she's a neuroscientist who studied the body as the subconscious mind. So a lot of her work kind of fuels mine. Um, and then another thing that I add into my work a lot is the use of mirrors. Um, So looking at ourselves in the mirror, like staring into our own eyes for 15 minutes, um, and that's been super, super impactful. Um, Yeah.
0: Yeah, to see yourself. Yeah. I actually want to write a blog post about this really soon. But when I was working in a therapeutic preschool a couple of years ago, well, a little more than that, um, my supervisor... His name is Ty Tedman Jones. He's a dance movement therapist. He had suggested, I was working with a class of very behaviorally difficult children, ages three to five. I think he said something along the lines of, you know, it seems like they want to be in the spotlight. And I was like, yep. (laughs) And uh, I don't remember if this was my idea or his, but I got a flashlight because I was like, let me make an actual spotlight. It turned out that when I shine the, the flashlight on to a child, they saw their shadow mm. on the wall. And this just organically developed very, very quickly. We turned off the lights, and one child at a time would stand in front of the flashlight and they could see their shadow. And if they came closer to the flashlight, they would see themselves much bigger. And if they okay. walked further away towards the wall, they would see their shadow in real, real size. <laughs> Um, and so they tried different movements and they tried walking back slowly and slowly getting bigger and putting their arms <laughs> up and being like, this like scary <laughs> roar, like they would make sounds. Um, so they would see themselves being big and strong and also small and, you know, maybe less powerful. And mm-hmm. I just was like, wow, what an accidental amazing intervention that I just kept using with across all the kids that I was working with um, throughout my whole time there and it was I I call it the shadow dance now Um, Mm. and they just it was amazing to see themselves and to see what you know how they could move what their bodies do who they are who they could be and Mm -hmm. it was just very very powerful and and at some point I I You know, I kept experimenting with it It grew into this thing where, you know, it wasn't just one person at a time. It was like interacting together, two people, and then more and more and, you know, seeing yourself amongst community. And this is, you know, they're three to five. so (laughs) these are pretty big concepts, but it's something that's so enticing for them to see it through the shadow. I (laughs) love
1: that. That's so cool. It's so um, exploratory, too like to play with the shadow and different sizes and um, Mm -hmm. different kind of creations and making noises and becoming an animal. It's it's cool that it was their shadow too. And actually not a mirror because it probably in some way created a little more like inhibition, like a little more play, a little more exploration. It's really cool. Yeah. 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 Feel free to try it out.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That was really, really cool accidental discovery. But yeah, we do a lot of mirroring work too in dance movement therapy, Um, not necessarily with an actual mirror of seeing yourself, but seeing yourself from another person. So mirroring not in the mirror, but mirroring with a partner across from you who's moving the same exact way that you're moving and this happens in group settings too but when you're doing that you know right across from someone and you're moving exactly the way that they're moving you're you do have a mirror image or a mirror video of of the way you're moving when you're leading someone else
1: Absolutely mm-hmm.
0: yeah but you do mostly individual work, right? Or you it mirroring.
1: It was individual work, yeah. But now it's, it's leading more toward um, workshops and, and various retreats. And in my workshops, I've done some similar stuff where there's mirroring with a partner. And uh, I do this, um, and I actually learned this in college a bit. Having one person be person A, the other person be person B, one being the leader, one being the follower, Mm -hmm. but then having no one be the leader or follower. So there's, yeah, Yeah. you do that too. It makes sense because so many of my professors were dance movement therapists, (laughs) so it would make sense that they would impart that to us. Yeah. And that's, that's a really cool practice because it becomes this like needing to understand and listen to each other with absolutely no words and mm-hmm. as a singular unit and like almost breathing together as this amoeba. And that's really powerful.
0: Yeah, you have to be so in tune with each other. You, you, you yeah. don't have that assurance that someone's leading or someone's following. You just have to be so in tune with each other's movements that you're moving the same exact way at the same exact time. That's how much you have definitely. to listen. And to feel listened to and seen in that way is powerful in itself.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: So you also said that one of the key principles, of the Kaya method is um, the body is the conscious mind. Is that what you said?
1: The body is the subconscious
0: mind. The subconscious yeah. mind, right,
1: right. Can you expand on that? Absolutely. Um, so starting with, Dr. Candice Kurtz's research, she discovered that at a neuropeptide molecular level, our body actually stores memory. So it's not just our mind, it's our mind body together that stores emotional memory. And so when we take the body in that perspective, it literally does become our subconscious mind. And it makes perfect sense because when we do have traumatic events happen to us, they don't just store in our minds psychologically. We feel them viscerally in our bodies. We feel tightness. We feel soreness. A lot of the times, too, that stagnant energy, which we touched on earlier, can actually manifest as physiological illness and disease. And a lot of times, too, when something even um, just startles us, sometimes people have reactions where they faint. Other people have reactions maybe where they get ill and throw up. I mean, the body has visceral reaction to anything that happens to us. And I think there's this huge discrepancy in the way that we approach healing conventionally, that we approach healing from very much so the left brain and psychotherapy, which absolutely has its place. And it's so important. But we also a lot of the time negate our bodies, our vessels, and this very real memory that gets stored in the cells of our bodies that's needing to be released and integrated in order to be healed. And so that's, it's really the core of why I develops the Kaya method.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I don't know if you heard the interview with Kalila Homan. I believe it was her who was talking about this, that, you know, when you are born and you make certain movements and, you know, at some point walking is a very conscious movement. You have to really think about it and try your hardest to make it happen. But -hmm. then it becomes just like any other movement. You don't have to think about it. You don't have to put conscious attention. So that just becomes something that's subconsciously happening in your body. Something as simple as walking or something as frequent as walking. And then it's not only that, it's all these other things like the way that you might, you know, cave your body when you become rejected or, you know, the way that you tense up your shoulders. I do this all the time, Uh, (laughs) tense up your shoulders when you uh, don't want to feel something as much and not just (laughs) physically feel, but emotionally, too. And that becomes subconscious if you're not putting your conscious attention on that.
1: Totally. That is such a great, great point. And it touches on the fact, too, that it's not just these massive traumatic events that shape our bodies. It's these like subtle accumulations um, that occur over time. Right. Like like you were mentioning, when you're feeling um, like shame or rejection, we kind of cave in the body. And that becomes this habitual kind of closure and tightness that we that we incorporate into our lives. And a lot of the times we think that psychologically, if we shift that, oh, I, I need to change the not feeling shame and not feeling rejected, which is valid, that it'll change the way my body responds to. But there are also studies that show that our Our psychology actually responds to our physiology. So if we find ourselves in uncomfortable situations Mm -hmm. and we're kind of caving over, even if we feel like absolute crap, just adjusting the body and opening the chest and opening the heart and extending our arms out will actually also in turn change our psychology and the way that we're feeling in that moment. Mm -hmm. And so there's like this duality of the body-mind connection that can actually be completely integrated. Um, and work together and it's, yeah, it's amazing. I'm so glad he touched on that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I will, I will find that the way I wake up makes the biggest difference in my day. If I wake up and I just kind of roll out of bed and, you know, (laughs) especially if I check my phone, I'm really trying not to do that anymore. Um, checking my phone in the morning, like that movement in itself is like looking down, shoulders hunched over, uh, if I just remind myself to stretch out and indulge in the yeah. way the bed feels, I mean, I just feel <laughs> in much better mood for the rest of the day. I tell my patients that all the time because, you know, I do maybe only have one chance to see them um, in the setting that I'm in. And then, and I, yeah. you know, I have them do it too. Like, let's breathe in and stretch up. And um, when we bring our hands down, just sigh or grunt or yawn you know and feel that opening up and release and it's so simple but they're like yeah Yeah. that feels amazing (laughs) we'll do like three times over
1: (laughs) yeah it's so simple but it can change your whole day yeah right do that in the morning and feel alive and expansive and joyous it's Mm. simple but it's profound right
0: and that kind of reminds me of what you just said of if you change something on a body level, that could help change the psychological. You're just thinking about the phone thing, how people are saying like, don't go on your phone in the morning, reclaim your morning. And I totally agree, but it's not just being kind of sucked into this screen, but you're also moving your body in a way that's less open and less present.
1: Totally. Yeah, absolutely. I can agree more.
0: Especially if you're seeing things on social media where you're like, oh no, (laughs) get smaller and smaller (laughs) and smaller. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. This was great. Yeah. This is amazing. Yeah. I've been (laughs) loving talking to you. (laughs) I've been
1: loving talking to you too. I wish you weren't so far and we could go get coffee or something (laughs) on the other side of the country.
0: For those people who are living on the West Coast, do you want to talk about your upcoming
1: workshops? Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. So my next workshop is January 7th, uh, 7 to 9, at the most beautiful place to me in the city um, called The Center SF. It's an incredible uh, community that's centered around consciousness and personal development and all-inclusivity and community. And I'll be teaching... That workshop, um, which is specifically actually related to the video that I will stand video. So it's going to be focused on healing uh, traumas to the body and moving through them and honoring them. And from there, I'm hoping to teach a retreat in March in Tulum. It's tentative. Nice. Um, yeah, and then another retreat too, which is still in the makings in May. So there's more information that can be found about that in my newsletters and you can sign up for the newsletters at thekayamethod.com. So I'll be releasing a lot more. Oh, and I'll be doing uh, a couple workshops in LA and also potentially DC. And I also really want to thank you too, for doing the work that you are doing right now, like these podcasts and all of the incredible information you're out- getting out there. that's accessible to anyone who wants to access it. Thanks. Thanks for yeah. contributing. Well, thank you so much. This is really great. I really enjoyed
0: talking to you. Yes, I love talking to you too, Hannah. And thank you everyone for listening. And again, have a great holiday season. I hope it's warm and comforting and you get what you need. Visit mindyourbodydmt.com if you're interested in having a free consultation on mind-body healing sessions. doesn't matter where you are in the world. We can do this through confidential video chat and more. Happy New Year!